0: Brilliant. I'd love you to um, get hold of a Bible, and you can turn to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to be all over the place this afternoon. Um, Some of you will be aware, I've been away for three months on a sabbatical. Um, Linda and I have had a brilliant time. We talked a little bit about it last week. You'll hear lots more in the coming weeks, I'm sure. But what I want to do for the next four, maybe five, maybe six weeks is share some of the things that God has been teaching me um, and we're gonna hear a bit at various points as well from Linda later on in the weeks, just hearing different things that we've been learning. And one of the things that, I mentioned this last week, but one of the things that we did on sabbatical, what I did for two months was read right through the Bible from beginning to end pretty quickly. Um, And it was so refreshing. Just to hear God's big voice and just to listen to what he said. I didn't get it all. I can't remember it all. But there were things that stuck out. And I want to pick up one thing, one word really, one image that came out very strongly as I read God's word. And I felt like was something that as a church God wanted us to engage with and to say let's think about this as a subject. Um, and it's this subject of fruitfulness. So I'd love you to just look at Genesis chapter 1. Have a look at Genesis chapter 1 and um, from verse 28. God has created everything in spectacular power the light and the dark, the sky and the sea, the dry land. The sun, moon, and stars, the fish and the birds, the animals, the people. God has created it all in spectacular power. And then he said this to the human beings. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And it just struck me, and it may be that I was enthusiastic because it was the first chapter of the Bible. I understand that maybe that's why this theme particularly hit me. But it struck me that God's first command to humanity, the first command, was be fruitful. Which made me think, presumably, that's quite a significant command for us to engage with. And as I read on through the Bible, I kept seeing this theme come up over and over again as we saw examples of what it looks like to live a fruitful life. And tragically, as we saw, see many examples of what it looks like to live an unfruitful life. So I wanted us to, to explore this issue. In order to kind of get us into this, I want to try and show you that this really matters. I want to give you some um, the experience of a few fictional people. Let's call the first one, Max. Max um, has had a pretty rubbish day at work, Um, feels pretty rubbish, and gets home and switches on Netflix um, and only intends to watch one episode, but it's very difficult to only watch one episode because they just keep going, right? They just keep coming at you relentlessly and um, it gets to about half eleven and Max realises that he's just sat for three and a half hours just watching Netflix. And he sort of switches it off and he goes to bed and he feels rubbish. (laughs) It hasn't satisfied. He hasn't really enjoyed it. I mean, it's sort of been mindless, but he doesn't feel very content by the end of the evening. He sort of feels just a bit there, I wasted the evening. Perhaps some of you can relate to something like that. Or what about, let's have someone else. Let's have, I don't know, some other person. Um, Geraldine. Um, Geraldine has a high power job in the city, um, and she works for a corporate bank, and she's had an unbelievably successful week. She has made millions and millions for her corporate bank. She's been very successful. She's employee of the month. She's got incredible numbers. She's at the top of her game. And she goes home at night and she thinks, is that what I'm supposed to be doing with my life? Making money for some big bank? She's struggling to work out is that fruitfulness? Very successful, but how do you know if that's fruitful? Or take the artist who spent the day painting a beautiful painting. And they get to the end of the day and they say, well, I've sort of worked hard at this, but is this, is this fruitful? Or the nurse in A&E helping sew someone back together, is that fruitfulness? Or the person who spent the day out on the streets trying to talk to people about Jesus. Is that, what, what is fruitfulness? How do you know? It strikes me if we're not clear on an answer to that, we're going to struggle to keep the first command to be fruitful. Now, this is why it matters. Now, let's back up a little bit because fairly obviously in Genesis 1, there is a specific meaning to the command, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. In its first instance, God is saying to the first man and woman, multiply, have more children, fill the earth with images of God. That is what you're supposed to do. Now, this is why this theme, I think, is helpful. We're going to see that that theme then of fruitfulness is not just related to childbearing. It then becomes much bigger than that, about the whole of our lives. But just stop and think for a second. When God created the world, he did not create a static, finished world. Right? He didn't create something that just sits there and does nothing. In fact, in Genesis 1, even before he gets to human beings, he's already doing this. Um, Because when he creates the plants, he created it with seed in it. What a fascinating detail. Genesis 1 is really quite big on that. Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and the trees in the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And so the land, the plants appeared, according to their various kinds, trees bearing fruit with seed in it. You see, God creates plants with seeds. Why is that such a big deal? Because God's whole purpose for his creation was that it would multiply. It would grow. It would do things. And this pattern is what got me excited, right, on my sabbatical. This is what I was getting excited about. That this is God's vision for his world. And his vision for us as his people is that we have the seed of potential within us, which we are to use to bear fruit in all sorts of ways. I think that's exciting. And so yes, initially Genesis 1 was about the having children, but that cannot be the sum total of what God means by fruitfulness, because there is a very famous man in the Bible who never had children, and arguably is the most fruitful human being who's ever lived. He never married, he never had children, and yet Jesus is the pinnacle of fruitfulness in the Bible. And therefore, this fruitfulness, this command to fill the earth, this command to bring order, this command to rule and to bring beauty out of the chaos is a command that all of us have the potential to fulfill, whether we are married or not, whether we have children or we don't. This is a command. This is a beautiful vision, a mission that God has given us. Be fruitful. Be fruitful and increase in number. Be fruitful and fill. Be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and rule over and subdue. Not in a harsh, domineering way, but in a caretaking way. That was his original intention. That's God's intention. And I want us just to trace that. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to trace that theme very quickly through, and I'm going to try and give you a definition, my best effort, a definition of fruitfulness which we're then gonna unpack in the next few weeks. We're gonna think about how can we be fruitful with our time? How can we be fruitful in our resting? How can we be fruitful in our workplace? How can we be fruitful in our friendships? How can we be fruitful with our resources? We're gonna think about what that looks like practically. So this one is the kind of big set the scene, and then we're gonna get even more detailed as we go along. I hope that you're excited about that. And if some of you are on a holiday in a few weeks, you can always catch up if you miss one that you were particularly interested in. So there's the vision, be fruitful. God is the God who plants fruitfulness within his very creation. Here's what I found really interesting. If you go on business talk courses, management courses, there are all sorts of words, but if you search for fruitful nearly all of the hits you get online are Christian. Fruitfulness is not language that the business world uses. They use productivity, efficiency, achievement, maximizing potential, whatever it is, largely productivity. And I want to try and show you this afternoon. Look, productivity is a great word, okay? And I get there's good ways to use it. But there is a massive difference between productivity and fruitfulness. We need to see that. Because productivity... Productivity is what happens when I imagine that I am more like a machine that has a job to do and has to output a function. Fruitfulness is what happens When you realize that I'm more like a tree that needs to be healthy. You see, we're going to, right, let's dig through this and we're going to see, you'll see how we go. So, fruitfulness is the great aim in Genesis chapter one. We have been focusing so far in this service, you've heard it several times already, Lily's um, read it for us. Psalm one picks up this idea of fruitfulness and talks about the idealized human being. What is the perfect human being? What is the blessed one? The blessed one is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but whose delight is where? In the law of the Lord. The one whose delight is in God's word. What are they like? They're like a tree that is planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, whatever they do prospers. Right? Do you see the picture? The idealized, the blessed human being, the human doing what they're supposed to do, what they were created to do, is the one who is delighting in God's words and therefore producing fruit. And we're going to think about what the fruit is, okay? but for now I just need you to see this. This is God's intention for humanity. It was always his intention. And so God, as you read the story of the Bible, he takes a nation, the, the, the people of God that he chose in the Old Testament, they were to be fruitful. In fact, if you turn to Isaiah 5, come down, we're going to jump around a little bit, um, come to Isaiah 5. Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 1. Here's how God talks about his people. I will sing for the one I love. This is God's love song. I will sing for the one I love. Well, it's Isaiah singing about God, but anyway. A song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. This is talking about God who has a vineyard, his people. He dug it up and cleared it of stones. He planted it with the choicest of vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a winepress as well. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. So Genesis 1, God's original intention for humanity, be fruitful. Psalm 1 tells you how to be fruitful. You are delighting in God's word, planted by the stream of water that yields its fruit. Here is now Israel, the people of God, God's first vineyard, his people who were to be fruitful, who he cleared the way and he planted them in order that they would bear fruit for him. But the tragedy is they yielded bad fruit. I'm not much of a gardener, but you know what it's like when you go to, you've worked hard, you've planted tomatoes, you're excited because they've grown but then they're just rubbish. They're like they never go red. They just stay hard and green. It's rubbish. And that's the tragedy, right? This great purpose that God had that his people, okay, so what were his people supposed to be? Well, in the world they were supposed to be the means of God's blessing coming to the world. They were supposed to be the nation of justice and of righteousness and of beauty. They were supposed to be the nation that brought God's rule to the world. That was the fruit. They were supposed to be the nation that others would look at and say, that, that's how you live. But instead, they became a place of selfishness, injustice, of cruelty, They were not like the tree planted by the streams of water, delighting in God and His Word. Instead, they delighted in all sorts of other things and produced bad fruit. And so, the tragedy of the story of the Bible is that this purpose in Genesis 1 and this perfect description of Psalm 1 never is fulfilled, it never comes to being in the Old Testament. It never happens in God's people. Which, of course, leads us to John 15. So turn to John 15. See where this is um, tracking to. John 15, verse 1. Where it says this. I am... This is Jesus speaking. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Remember Isaiah 5? God who planted the the vineyard that he loved. Jesus says, "I'm I'm the vine, and my father is the gardener. Do you see what Jesus is claiming? What God originally intended in Genesis 1, what God set up this beautiful picture of in Psalm 1, what God intended for his people Israel, now is fulfilled in Jesus. Here is the one who is the true vine, the true blessed one, the true humanity who will bear fruit. Jesus who always and only delighted in his father who was rooted in his father and who everywhere he went bore fruit did good as he walked through this life and in every opportunity he acted in a way which did good to others we'll come back to that in a second but you see Jesus is the fruitful one I, I, I want you this afternoon to delight in that. Worship Jesus because he is the fruitful one. Everything he does bears fruit. You never go to Jesus and find that he's got a rotten grape on him. He's not like those grapes that roll around at the bottom of the pot at the end, the manky ones that no one really wants. Nothing in Jesus. There's no manky fruit in Jesus, there's only beauty in him. And this vine, this beautiful vine, the shock of the story is, of course, that two chapters later in John's gospel, this vine is cut down. That's weird. Because I thought the unfruitful vine was supposed to be cut down, but this vine is cut down because as he is cut down, he is the one who is not just the vine for himself, but he is the one who says, no, I will welcome you into me. I I will bring you into my vine and so jesus as he's cut down he takes the punishment i deserve so that i can be brought into him which is why in john 15 he says i'm the true vine my father is the gardener he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit well every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so it'll be even more fruitful You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Do you see how all the theme from Genesis 1 is sort of landing in Jesus? You want to fulfill your purpose as a human being? You want to obey the command of Genesis 1? Be fruitful. You want to be the idealized human of Psalm 1? Then you have to be connected to Jesus. He's the vine. And as you come to Jesus saying, I can't do this on my own, as you're connected to him, you find you bear fruit. You bear fruit. And there's an inevitability about it. Do you hear that? Jesus says, if you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. You see, the key to you being fruitful is not working hard. I've got to try. I've got to... The key is that you remain in him. And if you remain in him, you will bear much fruit. And as you then trace on through the story of the Bible, what you discover is this is exactly true, that from Jesus, this new humanity begins to spread out, this new vine, who are supposed to be the fruitful people of God, and this people are sent out into this world to do good, to live for him, to take this message of Jesus to the ends of the world. To make disciples of all nations. To fill to the world. That's sort of how the theme goes. So there's the theme. Let me, let me try and give you a summary now. And I'll explain this. Um, and then um, we'll, we'll land it for today. Here's, here's a summary. Okay, this is my best definition. It's, it's not perfect. I get that. But there's three parts to it. Healthy lives... Okay, fruitfulness comes from healthy lives multiplying visible goodness. Okay, it's not snappy. I know it's not snappy. I've only had three months. <laughs> You'd have thought, wouldn't you? Three months, you could have come up with a better thing than that. Here's what I mean when you think about fruitfulness, it is all about healthy lives. By which I mean not physical health, although that's part of it. I mean being in Jesus, being rooted in him, delighting in him, being the Psalm one, having your roots in the streams of water. This is why it's different to productivity. You see, productivity is not so much about how healthy you are, it's about how much you can achieve. Right, it's outcomes-driven. It's measured by what you produce at the end. Fruitfulness is measured by what you are connected to, who you are in, how healthy you are. And so what Jesus cares most about for you is not how much you can achieve for him, but how deeply you are rooted in him, right? Right? He's not working you to to destruction in order to get as much out of you as he can. He loves you. He died for you. He welcomes you. He says, I want you to be with me. I want you to be in me. So as we think about fruitfulness, the first thing we're going to have to keep asking is, how healthy is my life with Jesus? How healthy is my heart? How healthy is my desire for him? How much do I love him? How much do I delight in him? So you go back to our three little scenarios at the start and however many other ways that we could think of it. The question is not, to the person who's made lots of money for their bank, how much have you achieved? The person is, what was your heart as you did that? What was your heart? Were you loving Jesus? Were you motivated by Jesus? Were you excited about Jesus? Were you doing it in his power? Were you saying, I do not have within myself the ability that I need to do this on my own? Jesus, I want to be connected to you such that your life flows through me. You see the difference? It's about health of your life. It's not about what you achieve. This is why it is possible to sit and watch a whole, for a whole evening and enjoy Netflix for the glory of God and to do it and it would be a complete waste of time. You see when Jesus says in John 15, apart from me you can do nothing, he really means it. That means if you are ignoring Jesus, if you are running away from Jesus, if you are not listening to Jesus, if you are not connected to Jesus and you have an incredibly successful career, whatever it is, it's not fruit. Right? Because Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. It's not fruit. It may be impressive, and it may get you a big bank balance, and it may produce you lots of accolades from the world, but it's not fruit. It's something else. Because fruit flows from a healthy life. So as we think about healthiness, uh, fruitfulness, it starts as we recognize how much we need Him. So healthy lives, the second bit, multiplying. I guess I put that in because it goes back to the Genesis 1 thing, right? Fill the earths. You know, multiply. Increase. We're not static. One of the things that I um, was thinking as I did this is how different this is to anything that I make, right? When I make something, it doesn't have the ability to multiply, right? Even, I guess if you could program something, you could make something that kept doing something, but it's still not really, it's not growing in that sense. That There's no organic growth. I can't make things grow because I can't give things life. But when God makes things, he makes things that grow, There's a big difference. And what I want you to see is that when God created you and when God designed you and he put you together, he created you not to be a static machine that just produces stuff. He created you to be a a plant that grows and that multiplies. And I wonder if some of us become more like bonsai trees, like bonsai, I've... I get it, right, they're, they're pretty little things, aren't they, bonsai, it's so London, bonsai, because like, we all live in these tiny little houses, and we go, we can't, we've got no space for a tree, but I'd like a tree, because we all like trees, everyone likes trees, I've never met anyone who goes, I hate trees, This is what I hate in life, I hate them, give me concrete, no one's like that, everybody loves a tree. And so we go. I'd like a tree in my flat. Ah, oh, my flat's really small. <gasps> bonsai. I get a little bonsai one. What do you do to a bonsai tree? You train it to not grow. That's its job in life. No one says, "Oh, my bonsai is growing really healthy. It's growing really big." No, you don't. That's the opposite. Don't do that. Bonsai trees are supposed to just sort of be static. And if you see it growing, you chop it off and go, "No, stop growing, bonsai." And I wonder if some of us are bonsai Christians where we, we just stopped any sense of wanting to grow, wanting to do anything, wanting to multiply. We're stagnant. And perhaps this, through this series, God is going to say to you, I have a vision for your life, a purpose for your life, that you would be fruitful that you'd bear much fruit, that you'd outgrow the little confines that you've been put in, that you'd burst out of it and, and grow through the windows and find little cracks that you can grow out because the growth I have for you is so big. Do you wanna grow? Do you wanna bear more fruit? Do you want to be more fruitful? Do you wanna increase? Perhaps for some of us. We need this kick up the backside to be more expectant of what God might do in us and what he might give us. Let's not be a church that settles for just kind of meandering through life, having nice services and perhaps trying to do a bit of good here and there. Let's say, God, make us grow. Multiply us for your glory. And all of that Um, is multiplying invisible goodness that's a weird way to put it I wanted to make the point that fruit is the visible thing right fruit is supposed to be seen if you go to a tree and he says have you got any fruit on you and the tree goes yeah I've got loads of fruit you go "Well, where is it and you go I I can't see it that's rubbish fruit is the bit that's bright and it's big and it's what you see and it's what you go wow look at that tree and Jesus over and over again says your fruit is supposed to be seen by your fruit you will recognize them if you want to know what someone is like you look at their fruit Jesus says your fruit will be visible people are supposed to see it and then praise God and say wow And this fruitfulness that we're going to talk of is so vast in its scope. We're not talking about one narrow little thing. This language of fruitfulness. Fruitfulness is about the way that you do your work. It's the way that you go to be the nurse or the teacher or the shopkeeper, whatever it is. It's the way you go to do that work. Saying, Jesus, I'm part of the vine. I want to multiply invisible goodness as I do this work. You could have the most virtuous job in the world and do it in a very ungodly way. Right? Let's not fall into the trap of thinking that somehow teachers are more virtuous than lawyers. <laughs> Sorry. We, we do, though. We think some professions are somehow more wholesome and virtuous. Jesus says, I want you to do the work I've given you to do in a way which glorifies me. Where you go in and you say, I want to love Jesus. I want to do this work to the best of my ability. I want to be kind. I want to do good to others. Goodness is about having an impact on people. So here's a way to assess it at the end of the day. What has been the impact of my life in the people that I've interacted with today? What difference has their... We had a five-minute conversation at the the water tank thing. What impact did that have on that person? Did it have an impact for good? Did it bring something of the character of Jesus? Was it something of of the fruit of his spirit... Was I loving and gentle and joyful and kind and patient and good? The character will overflow in the way that we speak. We're going to see when we get to talk about work, that even the way you do your work, if you are a painter, the way that you paint is part of the way that you are fruitful in this world. You bear fruit as you do the work he's given you to do. Your daily work is not a pointless waste of time. That you just have to do to get some money. It's part of what God has called you to do in this world, to be fruitful in the place where He's put you. And these are the questions, right? We're just swirling around at the moment. These are the issues we're going to be thinking about. Are we people of righteousness? People who do what is right? Are we people of integrity? Are we people who take the love of God revealed in Jesus and make it known to our world? How are people going to know unless we fill the earth with his good news? Do You see, it covers everything, right? And for today, I just want to, to land here. This big vision of what it means to be human, Genesis 1, Psalm 1, failed in Isaiah 5, perfected in Jesus, John 15. This big vision is what God is calling us to be part of. And fruitfulness is so exciting. Because fruitfulness is not about how brilliant you are. It's about Jesus working through you, using your gifts, taking the seeds that he's planted in you and making them grow. So what's he put in you? What's the potential he's put in you? What are the gifts he's given you? What are the seeds he's given you? How are you going to grow as you're connected to him, expectant, hungry that he will multiply you in visible goodness? So I hope we're excited um, for what's coming up. This is not a series where we're supposed to beat each other up and say, oh, we're so rubbish. This is a series together where we get to dream about what it might look like. Just imagine what an impact we could have in this city if God's church grew in their fruitfulness as we make him known. So I'm going to lead us in prayer. Let's pray. Um, I realize there's lots of questions that we need to dig into and hopefully doing the practical stuff in the next few weeks will help us to see what fruitfulness looks like in different areas. But let's take a moment to pray, then we're going to sing um, as we respond together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for that original design in Genesis 1 that we would be fruitful. Thank you for that picture in Psalm 1 of the idealized human being delighting in you, connected to you, rejoicing in you. Father, we're sorry when we're so like the people of Isaiah 5. We're sorry when our lives produce bad fruit, when we are harsh when we're not like Jesus, when we are selfish, when we are lazy, when we don't impact this world in any way for good. Thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you for Jesus, the man, the true vine, who bears fruit. Thank you that we, even as we sit here this afternoon, are his fruit. We're the fruit of his work, his work of dying for us, his work of bringing us into his vine. And Lord Jesus, we want to be fruitful. We really want to bear fruit for you in this city. So please teach us, we pray. Please, would we make Jesus known as we bear fruit for his name. In his name we ask it. Amen.